this is one I really should have left for the Black Magic course, but maybe it'll make an appearance on that as well. So, crabs. I've given many people crabs, and I've managed to do that never having had crabs myself, or coming into close proximity with the people that I've given crabs to. How is that possible, I hear you ask? Well, I give people magical crabs. And today we're going to talk about the theory of how you could give people magical crabs as a kind of curse or jinx or hex. Depends on which way, how severe I suppose the crabs are really at the end of the day. There's multiple approaches to doing this. It's a fucking brilliant one to a uh, spell and piece of magic to perform on someone you don't like, particularly the sort of person that you interact with on a daily basis, because this is really something that you want to see unfold. For all of those out there that like playing mind games with people, this is a greatly underestimated thing. So, it also works particularly well on men. Partly because men don't often go to the doctor, so even if they think that they have something, they still won't go. And he ends up fucking up their lives. So, safety precautions for this. When we're talking about magical crabs, what we're talking about is giving people a magical STD. Yes, you could give people an illness in general. We're going to focus on STDs for specific reasons here, which I will go into if I remember. So, STDs are diseases and infections that affect the sex organs. Is normally, well, it is transmitted through, through close contact, normally sex and sexual activity, right? Now, I'm not saying to go out and contract diseases so that you can then spread them by having sex with people. This is not a good idea. I would definitely mark you down and probably take away thoff points if you went about doing that. A, because it's immoral, which I don't really have a problem with, but B, because that is not magic. That is at the very best sloppy magic, and we don't like sloppy magic. Now, what's the benefits of doing a magical STDs? Well, the benefits of doing a magical STDs is the fact that you can do that from the comfort of your own home, not having to actually sleep with anyone or contract anything yourself to spread to anyone, which is brilliant. Also, it means that it can be done in some very different forms of magic. So there's different forms of magic that can have the same result here. Now, for my magical crabs, there's generally two options I tend to have. If I'm honest, they tend to meld together because I've done this enough times now that the approach tends to be more organic, perhaps, than I actually mean it to. In other words, when you get used to driving somewhere, you kind of just go on autopilot, yeah? And then wake up at your destination thinking, I can't even remember driving here. Anyway, that's kind of what it's like with regards to certain magical practices, and this is one of those magical practices that I kind of like. You can make an awful lot of money being a hit witch, giving people magical STDs, in exchange for cash. Obviously, the people that pay you aren't the ones that you're going to be giving the magical STDs to. 
is generally they're the clients and normally it's an ex-girlfriend or husband or something like that that they want it sent to or a creepy person that they find weird which I've always find strange because I think the most creepy people I always imagine them to have some sort of STDs in the first place but there we go so we won't go into that we'll start off with understanding why crabs why crabs out of all of the conditions one is that crabs are essentially a what what would you describe crabs as it's pubic lice, essentially, right? So, in terms of pubic lice, it's going to be in a pubic area. Now, that's something that people are going to struggle with because of inflammation, irritation, itching, all of that sort of thing. But also, it's, it's going to be one of those things that people kind of worry about giving to other people. So, we'll wreak havoc with their sex lives. But also, if they're constantly scratching... Rather than just giving people rashes and stuff, no one really sees that, do they? Whereas when there's someone constantly scratching and stuff in public, it makes other people pay attention to them. And also, you get a little extra from that because, you know, other people will think that they've got a problem as well. Now, when it comes to giving someone a magical STD, there's two options that you have primarily. There is option number one, you actually give them the actual disease, okay? So that would involve actually making a manifestation of pubic lice for the person. I'm not recommending that. The reason I'm not recommending that is because if you actually gave them the pubic lice, then that potentially could spread to other people. Now, I don't have a problem with actually a nasty person that I don't like having some kind of nasty STD or something. Maybe you give them the hiv or something, I don't know. But the problem is, is there is the potential for them to spread that to other people. So, for this reason, I'm recommending not to give them the actual, a manifestation of the actual disease. If you were to do that, you could do that. And we can maybe talk about things like that in the future. What we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about psychosomatic illness. Which basically means making their mind force the body to create the symptoms of the illness, okay? Now, you can, with psychosomatic diseases and illnesses and the like, you can make the body do all sorts of crazy stuff. What you're doing is you're essentially making their unconscious mind, the bit that controls their body unconsciously anyway, go about a fucking stuff up. So, with this we wouldn't be actually putting little lice or anything like that there. What we would be doing is we would be tricking their mind into thinking that they have lice there, that they'd be constantly getting the irritation, the scratching, swelling, inflammation, all of that sort of stuff. The body can do that, okay? Now, what is the benefits of that? Well, the benefits of that is that they haven't actually got anything. They have physical symptoms of something, but they haven't actually got something that can then spread to someone else, okay? So there's no actual lice involved, okay? The second thing, and this is something that works quite well as well, is that if they do have the physical symptoms because the body is producing that, if they go to a gum clinic, if they go to a sexual health centre, or if they go and see their local GP, because local GPs are notoriously really bad at dealing with STIs, um... 
then they'll just diagnose it. They're not going to think that it's psychosomatic. They're going to be thinking, oh, that I've seen crabs. This is crabs. I will prescribe them crab cream. Okay. Whatever the fuck. Um, so is that going to fix the problem, though? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on how you're working on this. So to sum up. Don't give them the physical disease, say making some sort of crab magnet that will mean that people with crab, actual crabs and actual crabs and shit like that and pubic lice will be attracted to them. Don't do that. No real crabs. We want psychosomatic illnesses. This also works for things like fibromyalgia and other such things as well. If you want to do that on an enemy. Um, but you want the psychosomatic illness because for one, it's a lot easier requires less energy and effort for two even if they go to see a medical professional it's going to be a lot more difficult to get get rid of so some of the things that doctors might prescribe aren't going to work on a psychosomatic illness okay also if they do prescribe something then they might end up having some issues with that because as we all know prescription medications come with side effects and they might get prescribed something which isn't going to do anything but ends up making things worse by giving them some kind of secondary uh, side effect which is also quite good for when you're talking about doing a magic on the people you don't like right so how are we going to go about doing this in reality right so there's a couple of different things that have a tendency to work step one is the probably the simplest and that is to use for those that are good with dream walking in that. So what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to program their unconscious mind. The best way to do that is through the unconscious itself. So you interacting, if you have the ability to do dream walking, going into their dreams, maybe even putting on different masks and going in interacting with the person in their dream state. Because when they're in their dream state, they'll pick up things. They might not necessarily remember their dreams, but it just kind of absorb in. It's kind of like a sponge, the dream state. And it, people are very vulnerable in their dreams because they're not consciously there. But also they're spewing out a load of unconscious information and stuff. But also on top of that, they're also absorbing things. Now, dream state's supposed to be fairly safe that's why it is a system whereby you can work through your issues let's say within dreams and that it's supposed to be safe is it safe no it ain't fucking safe of course it's not because if you understand how the system works you understand the magic and astral travel and dream walking you can really do some serious damage it's kind of like driving around with the hood of your car up all of the time yes it's somewhat safe you know, it's not like, you know, a little bit gust of wind or anything like that is going to cause a problem. But if a bunch of kids throw a ball or if a branch or something like that comes down and knocks the hood of your car, it's got that little bit of metal there. You might get a little dent. However, if that hood's up, something lands on it, it could end up knocking off some something, something car related. I ain't no good with cars. I don't know. It could fuck a hose up or something, right? 
It's kind of like that with dreams. If you're fucking about with people in their dreams, then it can cause a lot of issues, okay? So just be aware of that. When we're targeting someone in their dreams, we need to make sure that we're targeting them for a specific reason. So with this, what you might do is you might start to introduce crabs because crabs are a symbolic of the STD crabs, yes? So you might start putting crabs around everywhere. You also might start just turning up in their dream and asking them, are you itchy? Are you okay? Because what will happen then is what that will manifest as eventually is they'll actually start to feel itchy, okay? And then what that will start to happen is in the real life, they'll start to unconsciously start itching. And when they unconsciously start itching, real people in the real world will also ask the same question, which backs it up. Remember the as above, so below principle? Yeah, one of the hermetic laws that people often go on about this works quite well try and marrying up things that first start off in the astral world or in the um dream state but then will start to happen in the physical world that's what we want here so getting them chased by a crabs and also getting them to start thinking along those lines but obviously making sure that that is in the dream state so Imagine they are dreaming that they're in bed itching and then all of a sudden they pull back the covers and there's loads of crabs underneath the bed sheets. You know, that's kind of symbolic in a number of ways. One, that is crabs. Two, that it's below the sheets. It's somewhere, you know, underneath the covers, hidden from plain sight. But also it's a shock to them. That shock can often wake them up. So what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to induce certain dreams. Now, remember, their unconscious mind is like a scaredy child very often at this point. Unless they're a trained um, magical practitioner of some description, their unconscious mind is essentially like a fucking child. And it's very easy to scare children. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to start interacting with the dream. Just start watching their dreams to start off with. And then when you start watching their dreams, see how you can relate what they're already dreaming about to crabs. If they're out and about, just conjure up some crabs and start taking control of that dream. Or just randomly put on your astral mask and just become certain characters within that dream. And drop the little hints. Ask them questions, you know? Now... This isn't going to be very good for the beginner because the beginner obviously doesn't know much about dream walking or astral travel or anything like that. So they ain't going to be able to do any of this. It's a nice thing to give a go. But ultimately for the beginner, I wouldn't recommend going for the dream state or dream walking approach. What I would actually recommend to the beginner is something that a lot of people call advanced magic. It can be advanced, but most of the time whenever I see them in practice and I see them fairly frequently, I don't find them to be particularly uh, advanced pieces of magical work. What am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about one of my favourite subjects, egregores. Egregores, yes. Synthetically created spirits. So, if you were going to make an egregore, a lot of people think about fetches, or they think about protective egregores, what if you were going to make an STD egregore? What if you were going to actually make tiny little lice crabs 
as your egregore that lives on a host. The host happens to be your enemy, right? Imagine that. Think of the principle of that. You create an egregore, except that's not an egregore, not one thing. It's a swarm. Your egregore is a swarm of little pubic lice crabs that you create in the astral world or you create via spell work and breathe life into but then anchor to a certain region a certain body part that your enemy has now we've talked a lot about egregores in the past and many people have actually made egregores and they they tend to go for creating some sort of physical anchor point very often this can be a doll or something made out of clay or wax or even bread depending on how long you want the egregore to last um, but imagine that the actual thing that is the anchor point, rather than being a physical representation of a spirit, imagine it's a place. Now, I've obviously done a little bit of uh, work with this recently. I don't know if you listened to the Haunted House one where I synthetically created an egregore to dwell within a house and think that it's alive so they would haunt the house. This works on the same principle, except that what you want to do is magical crabs. You want to research crabs. You want to research pubic lice, how they work, all of that sort of thing. And you want to copy that template and make an egregore that behaves a similar way. And that anchor point, as you go through your ritual, obviously you need to end and finish with the anchor point that ties it to the physical world. That anchor point is going to be that person's special area their special place yeah now how are you going to go about doing that well obviously you could steal some of their pubic hair or something like that but you know some chris some witches is more gross than others ultimately what you're probably going to do is use their name or their picture or something like that realistically um i would suggest you could make a poppet or a doll or something like that but the, the main thing with that, from my experience, is that if you're trying to make a puppet or a doll, that puppet or doll is probably going to turn into a, uh, a kind of wormhole to the person. So much like puppets and dolls and stuff like that, that's kind of like a, uh, possibly two ways, generally meant as a one way, but it can very often become a two way situation. It's a, a link to the target. Now, if you started making a poppet of the person and then linking the egregore to that poppet, more often than not, the poppet will inhabit the, uh, sorry, the egregore will inhabit the poppet and then potentially use that link to get through. So really at that point, the anchor isn't the person. What the anchor is, is the anchor is the poppet and then the egregore works through the poppet. Now this is one of those things, right? This is one of those things. If you pull up at the petrol station, you've got your plain, normal, unleaded petrol and then you've got your all fancy petrol, right? Which is a little bit more expensive. Now, technically speaking, you should go about doing it and using the fancy petrol because apparently it's better or something. I don't know. I've never fucking used it, right? I'm one of those people that if it works, it works. Okay, it might not be a work of art, but it works. If you're taking this approach, 
for a beginner, the poppet approach is acceptable, okay? It will probably work and it should be a lot easier to diagnose because either the link from the poppet to the target is weak and therefore things aren't manifesting or the egregore isn't properly manifesting or linked to the poppet, okay? So you can kind of diagnose that. For more experienced practitioners, my recommendation and suggestion is that you try to link the anchor directly to the physical person. So that egregore is going to be more like a parasitic entity. That parasitic entity is going to feed off of the person, okay, the target. So does it behave like pubic lice? Kind of to a certain extent, but it's a little bit more like pubic lice on steroids. I do kind of get the, the, the joke of that, but maybe medical, non-medical people might not. Um, so how would you go about doing that? Well, that's obviously a lot more difficult because it means that what you're having to do is you're having to create that anchor point. Normally you would do it in person through ritual and that. You're having to work that anchor point at a distance because unless that person's in the room with you and you knock them out and do their magical creepy witchy ritual around their unconscious body, which I would recommend not doing because that is currently illegal as far as I'm aware, at least in the UK. Um, or if you trick them into doing it, then that's another one, that another approach that I think is also technically illegal in the UK. Um, you're going to have to do it from a distance. So it means that all of this psychic work, traditionally in spell work, obviously you'd use the candles, you'd use the puppet, you'd use something for your physical hands and create the physical anchor with something physical right there in front of your physical body, where you can't do that, obviously. So it's really a case of how are you going to be able to do that? It's going to require a little bit of work. Now, normally for me, a photograph of the person simple enough because I just access their signature through the photograph, the energetic signature of the person. Physically, I could look at the photograph, but I would maybe use my astral body parts to hold on to their astral body and do the work on their astral body. So basically... Instead of doing the beginner's thing of creating a poppet to link to the person, yeah, and then having that egregore attached to the poppet and thereby work through that link to the person, what I'm doing is I'm using the as above uh, principle of whatever I do to their astral body, the target's astral body, will start to manifest in the physical world. Now, poppets and stuff like that, simple. This sort of stuff where it involves doing most of the work astrally is a lot more complicated. Now, what is going to be the problem here? Obviously, the main problem is you doing your astral projection and stuff. And that's kind of outside of the scope of this video. At this point, if you're going to embark on something like this, I'm going to presume that you can actually do that. We've done other subjects and covered astral work before. So I'm just going to relate this to the egregore creation stage or part. So you have started to create your egregore. Your egregore has a astral body because it must have an astral body. Obviously, you need to create an astral body for an egregore. You then attach that egregore to the astral body of the target. Right. So this is where the programming and design of the egregore, because if it was just a basic astral um, crab, 
chips then that's going to inhabit and feed on the astral body what you want to do is you want to supercharge this you want to make this a little bit more complicated what you want to do is you want to start understanding the link between a person's astral body and their physical body and then what you want to do is you want to try and get and design that egregore those magical crab egregore swarm to travel that gateway that path from the conscious to the unconscious okay it's only going to get as far as the unconscious it's only ever going to become an unconscious aspect in the person's um in the target's psyche because we're not talking about a physical manifestation here but when it gets in the unconscious that's when it can start to have a physical uh, show physical symptoms and that. So with that, you're going to need to start programming your egregores to really feed on and be able to interact with mainly the pathway between the astral body and the unconscious mind. And it shouldn't be that difficult. I used to create, I, I did create an egregore once that was designed to help me build homoculi. Um... I never really used it for that because I found that a little um, unethical, even by my standards. But the design was based on the Borg kind of queen idea from Star Trek, which was that you have a queen and then you have a bunch of drones and the queen controls the drones. The queen doesn't do the work and she's a step She's separate from the drones, but what she does is create drones for specific purposes that have a link to her, but that link can easily be severed as needs be. So I made the egregore like the spidery queen thing, and that, all she was supposed to do was to give birth to other little egregores that were programmed to do specific things. Most of the time they were programmed to be able to latch onto a person's astral body by gaining through the gateway between the unconscious mind and the astral body. So rather than it be an astral attack or a physical attack, it was in between the two. That meant that astral armor and astral protections often wouldn't work against this egregore spidery queen thing that is currently living in a jar um i won't talk too much about her and i won't tell you what her name is but she's kind of retired now she doesn't do a lot i, I haven't used her for ages but i didn't get rid of her she's dormant because if they're defending yourself astrally that's one thing if you're defending yourself physically that's another thing but a lot of people don't don't consider that doorway the alpha brain state is what i think a lot of scientists would call it which is kind of where we're talking about our weak point here so maya gregor she was designed to when people go into an alpha brain state to latch on at that point and as they progressed deeper they would carry the egregore spawn the little drones with them into the astral body it's a little bit more complex magic than what you're probably used to people talking about. Not because other people don't do this. It's mainly because, let's be fair, proper witches and magicians often don't share their um, 
ways of working and that outside of their own private organizations and covens and groups and that sort of thing is not the sort of thing you're going to fucking find on YouTube. So, you know, if you do find such things on YouTube, then by all means, please tag me or send a copy to me or put it in the Witchcraft Live Facebook group or something because I'd be fascinated to know who else actually talks about this sort of thing publicly. But anyway, I don't want to sidetrack too much. So there we go. So that would be my little sweet spot there, which is very often ill-defended. Now, why is one of these things that works so well? Well, as we all know, some of the people that I find the most fucking annoying and that needs to be taught the biggest fucking lessons are these bullshit yoga-teaching, granola-munching, new-age hippie twats, right? And what do they all love doing? They all love meditating. And when do they meditate? And where do they meditate? And on what frequency do they meditate? Oh, they meditate on the alpha brain state, don't they? That's what they tend to do. That's what the majority of their time they're spent in an alpha brain state. So just imagine young Liam showing up at a yoga retreat with all of the fucking granola munching idiots thinking they're doing a magical occultism when they're just doing a bit of stretching in the alpha brain state. I wonder what damage young Liam could have done with his little egregore queen as she sends off spawn that are designed to do very specific things. Nothing too bad, but amusingly enough to keep bad Liam amused in his younger days. To all of the people in the yoga retreat. Yes. Yoga retreat crabs. And there we go. If you haven't learnt something today, I'm very sorry. But, you know, we do have to cover some of the really basic aspects of magic. But I thought I would share a little bit of this approach. And do not underestimate what can be done to a person by mastering their unconscious mind better than they master it themselves. I think that's enough for this week. So, hopefully this was somewhat interesting, maybe even all form, uh, maybe even informative, but hopefully at the very least somewhat entertaining. And I will see you again, well, for the No Holes Bar Witchcraft podcast, which comes out tomorrow, technically. So, goodbye. <laughs>